All right, it's the final mile. Wait, you know what we should do for an intro for one of these, Ben? Is uh, like it's the final countdown, but it's the final mile, right? Now everyone got to hear me, uh, my singing voice there. Uh, anyway, it's final final mile where we answer your questions. Uh, make sure to send us all your questions through the website, through YouTube comments, and all that good stuff. Um, and if you'd like to learn more about us, check out the Freight Broker Basics course. Uh, on our website, it's uh, all about how to start a brokerage and uh, succeed in that realm. And please check out our sponsors to support the channel. It helps us, it helps them, and we believe in their products and services. So, okay, we got four questions today. Um, I'm not going to butcher this person's name, but we had uh, somebody said, hey, um, good. Uh, they had a question on handling objections. How do you deal with a lead when they say, don't call here again, I'm not interested. <laughs> it's Yevgeny. Yevgeny's the first name. It was on uh, YouTube. Yevgeny okay. Mortajan. Got it. So um, this this is a good question because we have talked a lot about handling objections, but we've never done the "don't call me again" objection. Um, well, I will tell you this: the amount of calls that that person is likely getting that that you're getting that response from them. They're probably not going to remember that it was you if you call them for um, sure. a few days later. So what I would definitely do is change your approach. Like if you're calling at a certain time and you could tell it's probably not a good time to call or maybe it's not a good person to call, find another way to go about doing it. Um, reg- regardless of all of this, though, there is a point in time when it is not the juice is not worth the squeeze to pursue a certain shipper. And when there's hundreds of thousands out there, um, don't let one get the best of you and um, beat up your ego. But it's if they're that frustrated, it could be bad day of the week, bad time of the day. They're not the right person. They're getting inundated with 100 brokers a day calling them. Um, maybe you're calling their cell phone and it's invasive to them. I mean, it could be a whole variety of things. Um, you got to probably figure out why it is that they're that you're getting that feedback. But I mean, I wouldn't necessarily give up. You might throw them in a follow up in three months. Maybe the person's a different person, you know, a different role or, you know, a different person in that role down the road. What do you think, Ben? I gave him the same advice on YouTube. I said, they're not going to remember you if you call in two or three days. And I would try a handful of other people at the same company and see if I can verify what they're saying is true. And I do that in almost every scenario, especially if I believe there's a reason I want to work with them or I believe there's an opportunity for whatever reason, right? Like I'm absolutely going to go at a handful of other people if I can find them and see if I get the same answer, right? Usually you won't. And to your point, vary the time of day and day of the week that you reach back out because you will likely get different responses based on that. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely agreed. Um, You can't take this stuff personal. I think it's like one of the big takeaways on this because it just, just is what it is. You, you might, there could be a great future customer of yours and you just catch somebody in a really bad day. Like you don't know what kind of fight they got in with their spouse or, significant other or fan, whatever friend, family member. And they're just in a bad mood and you call them and they're just like, don't ever call me again. And you're like, Oh my God. But the reality is it's got nothing to do with you. So sure. you can't take it personal. It's part and of it's the thing. Like it never has anything to do with you. I'm reading a new book on, um, it's really good. It's on, on how to give better feedback and 
receive feedback to understand mm-hmm. what is actually being said. Um, it's called thanks for the feedback. Um, but they talk a lot about what you just said. Dude, I read, beings, I read that book a couple years ago. It's fantastic. It's yeah. the third edition. Somebody recommended it, it to me. It's good though. Yep. It's by um, Sheila Hine, H-E-E-N. She's a um, Harvard psychologist. She was interviewed on Tim Ferriss and was talking about it last week. And after I heard the interview, I was like, this is fantastic. Because it really does talk about human psychology and what we bring into situations that mm-hmm. the other person doesn't know. And you're exactly right. I mean, we also remember things in stories and we bring things, our motion in from what we're dealing with, right? So if this person is working from home and they've got a three-year-old that just whatever spilled everything all over the kitchen in that scenario, right? Yep. They're going to be super frustrated when you call them. Had nothing to do with you. Yep. Had everything to do with just the bad luck of you calling when somebody had something frustrating happen to them. Maybe their boss yelled at them. Maybe it's a thousand different reasons, right? So try to disassociate, right? What you're hearing from what you're feeling, because you will still, I still feel this way when it's, when someone says it to me, it hurts and it makes you feel like a little shitty about yourself. Yeah. But you just got to remind yourself over and over again, like, this they don't know me it wasn't really even directed at me this is just whatever that person was dealing with that i'm unaware of and reapproach it later and see what kind of response you get agreed um all right our next question uh safe care shipping llc um says when prospecting medium-sized companies do you target the corporate office or the manufacturing plant we can have a good discussion on this because the it could be both. It depends mm-hmm. how they operate or set up. I want to, for people that are hearing this question and don't understand why they're asking, let's let's break this down. So, procurement and onboarding transportation partners, depending on the company, could look different where it's approved, um, where it's directed out of. Right. So you could call up a a great example is like a freight forwarding company that has franchises. Okay. They have a corporate office, which is great, but they all operate as like individual little companies under the same name. Like you might have a Phoenix branch an Atlanta branch, Chicago branch, and each individual branch has their own carrier onboarding, broker onboarding, tendering of loads, billing, you know, all that stuff. On the other side, you might have another freight forwarder, that everything goes through corporate. So, for example, Expeditors International, I uh, set them up, I don't know, seven years ago. Everything went through their Seattle office or wherever. I think it's Seattle. And it was really annoying because I had contacts in the Buffalo office and like had in-person visits and all good. They, they came and saw us. We went and saw them. But everything had to go through corporate, which is frustrating because now we don't have that personal relationship to leverage. Whereas if it's everything's run through the individual branch, it's awesome. You don't have to worry about corporate red tape. You've got a, a personal relationship with somebody. You're good to go. So that's why this this question is important that that this company is asking is, do you go through corporate or the manufacturing plant? What you have to find out first is how are they organized? And you're probably going to find that out at the plant level is my opinion. I, I wouldn't imagine cold calling a corporate office and asking somebody, hey, do you guys operate individually as branches or does everything go through corporate? You're probably going to talk to someone in the traffic or logistics department at your local branch or, or the, whatever plant you're talking to and find out from them, hey, all of our procurement requirements are handled through our, our corporate office in wherever it might be. So 
the answer to the question, who do you target? It depends, but you're likely going to start either way at that plant level. What do you, what do you think? What, what am I missing here? Yes, that's true. And here I'll, I'll add a little bit to it. So I almost always start at the branch level or the manufacturing side for a few reasons. One procurement, even if it is onboarded through corporate, right? Like the procurement department, they don't experience the problems that we solve as freight brokers. So like if a truck doesn't pick up, the guy in procurement doesn't catch shit from sales or the customer. Yeah. If a truck is late or they have a hard time and they've got to struggle to get a load covered, the guy in procurement doesn't even hear about it. They have different needs and different metrics that they're evaluated by. It's a different department. What they care about is the number of vendors they have to manage. They try to keep it as small as possible, right? And second, they care about how they're spending the money on transportation and the service level to some degree, at least, right? Now, it's the opposite usually for the people at the ground level, the ones that send the loads out at the division level or at the plant or the manufacturing plant, right? Like if a truck doesn't pick up, the guy at the dock is yelling at them. Somebody in sales is yelling. Somebody at the customer is upset when something doesn't get, that blows back directly on them. So the problems that we solve and the needs that we're able to fulfill are closer to the person at the local level than at corporate. So you've got a far higher likelihood that they're going to one, if they need something, talk to you. Because even if you still got to go through corporate an email from the person at the plant level back to corporate, now the person in procurement has somebody in their company saying, hey, give this guy a call. Let's see if we can onboard them. So now I have an advocate from the manufacturing or the plant side referring me into the guy at procurement who's not going to really want to onboard me unless he has a reason to. That reason was the person I talked to at the plant level, right? So I kind of always start there. I will occasionally send an email or two to somebody in procurement if I can't reach anybody anywhere at the plant level and just say, hey, and I'll give them some reason why I'm reaching out. And I'll be like, who would I need to speak to about this thing? I won't say like getting onboarded. And usually they'll say, oh, it's this person. Well, now at least I've identified who I need to call and have a conversation with. So like that's my strategy and why I think you kind of always start there. And then you go here and you need an advocate usually to get them to do it. Because even when they do onboard you, usually they drag their feet. It takes weeks, maybe months. And you got to go back to your person at the plan and go, hey, where is this? Like, we sent the shipper agreement. When are we getting approved? When are we onboarded? They're emailing procurement and going, hey, when is ABC Transport going to get approved? I know I asked you about it two weeks ago. They don't care as much when I reach out. They care much more when someone in their company asks them for an Same applies if the decision maker is in the plant, but at a higher level, like a higher echelon. Like, for example, freight um, traffic manager, freight manager, whoever's whoever's tendering out loads, booking trucks. Um, there, it could be their boss's boss's boss that approves carriers, yes. right? Or even just their boss. But either way, if they're not the one that says, "Yeah, we can onboard you," you might have to have that same advocacy that we just referred to between a corporate office and a local branch. So um, just keep that in mind. All right. Good well, stuff. What you Next. usually get, just the last thing, what you usually get, and I've reached out a lot directly to corporate and procurement through the years, and you almost usually always get the standard canned answer. We're either not onboarding anybody at this time, <clears throat> or we only evaluate carriers during this period of the year. Reach back out then. 
the exception of policy is going to come from local branch. Yes. Yep. Saying, hey, we're having issues. Can we get an exception? That's literally we had that happen with uh, Crowley a couple months ago um, because they were like, we're not doing any free PLs right now. Unless you're unless you're asset based or veteran owned or minority owned or whatever. We're not doing it. And then push back or the, the rep you got a relationship with. And next thing you know, exception to policy. So never give up. All right. Next question. Uh, Twinette Matthews asks, how do I let customers know that they can contact me as a broker? I think she means prospects. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. So you... This is not how the industry works. And I know well, it's this, a trucking company. I, or I, do you think maybe it's a trucking company where they're saying, hey, how do we let our existing customers know that they can reach out to us as a broker? What's the other way I could have interpreted that, I guess? Okay, well, let's answer it both ways. Both? <laughs> so I want to make sure. So if, if you are just a, a straight freight broker, you don't reach out to customers aren't going to be just contacting you and like glad that you know it's, it's different. It, this is a relationship building process you're going to be the one reaching out to them trying to build rapport and solicit business. They're not reaching out to you trying to find a truck when they don't it's know you. It's a proactive business. Yeah. Sales is a full contact sport for freight brokers. Like you got to call them, you got to ask the questions, you got to pull that business in. It isn't going to come to you. Yep, 100%. And for for the people out there that are going to try and be that like reactive broker it's not going to work for you like people that think i'm just going to do um an email campaign once a month and have a great website with great seo so when a shipper googles how to find a truck they're going to find my website that is not how it works you've got to be out there on the front lines knocking you know not literally but knocking on doors figuratively like making the calls um now let's say it's a trucking company that now has a brokerage capability as well. How do you let them know? Um, Well, in your normal conversation with them, the way that I have always recommended this. So like in the agent world, we have had small trucking company, like let's say like a seven to 10 truck fleet. They've got enough trucks that they have direct customers, but they don't have enough trucks that they have reliable, like, like big capacity at a, at a wide range for a lot of their customers. They're kind of like a, they have a small limited area and a small limited number of equipment big enough to get customers, but not big enough to like heavily service them. So they might uh, open an agency with a brokerage or they could get their own authority as well. Either way, the recommendation is the way you sell it is, Hey, we've obviously been doing a great job with you guys on these lanes with this equipment, now that we have a brokerage authority, we know what it's like being the carrier. We're going to we're gonna go out there and, and vet out third-party carriers. You're going to maintain a single point of contact with us, but now we can get you, you know, those flatbeds that we don't have. We can get you out to Minneapolis where we don't service right now. We can, we can handle stuff on this day of the week that we don't have trucks available right now. I would always sell it as same point of contact, but much broader level of service that we can provide for you. And if you've done a good job being a a point of contact on the trucking side for them already, they're going to give you the benefit of the doubt versus some Joe Schmo just cold calling from their brand new brokerage because you've already got a relationship with them. That's like the hottest lead possible when it comes to brokerage. And we like we 
we've had folks in TIA that we've coached that they come from a trucking side or they might be an owner operator or they might own a small trucking company. Um, and we tell them that's like the best way for you to leverage what you already have instead of going out there and building it from scratch. That's my take. Yeah. The only thing I would add is I would put some effort into trying to move your customers to being set up through your brokerage and providing your assets behind it. Um, because if you can get them used to operating with the brokerage and letting them know, hey, we can make sure the same drivers are on this, the same trucks. It makes our life easier and it allows us to provide you better service if we can move the loads through our brokerage, get you the same drivers, the same trucks. And it's the same explanation that you pointed out, Nate. It's the same reason. The reason I'm, I'm suggesting we set you up also with our brokerage and we operate through here is if and when you need something that is outside what we normally do, in a heartbeat, I can do that now. So you're now, saying you're saying even if you're going to put it on a company truck, put it through the brokerage and then under the company yes. truck. Yes, and again, interesting. The, the strategy is because if I can get them used to dealing with the face of the brokerage, right? One, they're more used to it, so they're going to be more inclined to ask more things of it. If they're used to dealing with ABC Trucking and now your CBA brokerage, right? Like, there's the mental leap of. Well, when do I need to ask that? And if there's a, a question in the prospect's mind, they just won't. They just yeah. won't do that because they're like, well, I'm not really sure. Does this qualify as that? Like, I, I, maybe I'll just ask my broker anyway. And they'll go and do the path of least resistance. If you get them habitually used to sending the loads to the one place, which is the brokerage, and you reassure them, hey, same driver, same truck number, same everything's going to pick it up. They're far more inclined when their business expands or they have other lanes to go, hey, can you get me a rate on this? And now you're saying, hey, absolutely. Just to let you know, this lane is outside of our network. I can absolutely still get you a truck. You'll still be dealing with me. Nothing changes. And now you're getting them in the habit of getting used to working with your brokerage. And again, human beings are very habitual, right? If you get them used to doing something, they're far more inclined to keep doing it than to get somebody to change their behavior. All right. That's a valid argument. I'll take it. I'll bite off on that one. Well, isn't that one of Pierce's objectives? How how we do it, because we have a trucking company and a brokerage. the trucking company operates independently. It's got its right. own customers, right? The brokerage side, if we have a lane that our it, it falls in the purview of our, our trucks where they would operate, we'll offer it up to the asset right. side. Yep. But it'll but like the vast majority of the trucking side's business runs directly through the truck. So like Warren Pearson Company is the right. asset side and Pierce Worldwide Logistics is the brokerage. Um I'd say I'm just guessing, but probably 90% of the trucking company's business runs right through Warren Pierce. Maybe 10% comes through the brokerage. Um, again, uh, it also, but I, again, you, our trucks, we're a very different business model, right? We're decentralized. Our trucks are all in Florida. We have a brokerage operation in Florida but most of our brokerage operations are remote throughout the country. Mm-hmm. If we're under the same roof, probably way easier to do that. And like I said, you have a valid argument, <coughs> valid argument on yours because you can say to them um, like, Hey, yeah, I'm going to have one of our trucks coming in or, Hey, um, we'll be, it's not gonna be one of our trucks this time. We're going to have somebody else. You can let them know what to expect, but you're still the single point of contact. So valid argument. I'll give it to you. Well, and I'm not saying it's the only way, right? Because there's lots of nuances to your point that can determine when and how this does also work. Like, and the ones that I've done this with, right? 
there absolutely are customers that are still only going to want to work directly with the assets. They yeah. do not want to, under any circumstance, move their business through the brokerage. That is their own procurement requirements. That's what they want to do. That's okay. That stays there, right? But for ourselves, right, like on our end, we want them to go through the brokerage because we've got more opportunities to bring in more capacity. And again, if I can make it easier for them to do that, I'm going to try. It definitely does not work 10 out of 10 times. Right. But right. that's my objective and for those reasons. Good deal. All right. Our last question, David Eberly says, what's the best way to find out market conditions with a great deal of data or loads intelligence on produce shipments where prices can vary significantly? Most services tie produce into normal reefer freight, but normal reefer freight is much more stable in terms of trans- transportation pricing. So the data gets more skewed and normalized. Thoughts? Agreed. Produce is often looped. Like, so if you were to go into um, DAT's uh, like rate view or something like that, right? You can't select produce. You can select van reefer or dry van. So that he's absolutely right. There is a hundred percent a way to do this without going that traditional route. Blue Blue Book. When we were talking with them, they get their data. I think is it. It's from like uh, the some federal organization publishes it, right? We we, we were yes. on with them the one day. They should. So the answer is check out Blue Book. Come on, check out like I think it's the not the EPA, um, the uh, FDA maybe Food and Drug or yeah, F, it might be the FDA. Um, it's probably the FDA because like yeah, FDA runs food safety and all that stuff. So, but they will report certain lanes, the volume of shipments by commodity, like on a week, I want to say daily or weekly basis. And I was like, when we saw it, like I was kind of shocked. I was like, Whoa, it was, it was wild. Like how, how detailed this stuff gets. But um, yes, that's what I'm going to do it. Another way, just have a conversation with the produce brokers or the, the growers that you're talking with and find out, from them what's because i'm curious why he wants to know this information he's probably trying to figure out well if i know you know the data on this commodity i can go prospect it i would just go to become a blue book member right you get a ton of vetting and you get 20 some thousand leads first of all and credit data on them but they have the know your commodity tool and we've been i've been starting to add into our our newsletter each week um, like share a little bit about the commodities and how how it advertises a commodity, um, where it ships throughout what times of the year, like its availability. That's a great way to be able to do that easily, so you know when and where to prospect, where, when, and what to prospect. Um, versus the the data from the federal government that we saw, it was fascinating to see it, but it's like any other federal database. It's like they don't give you an analysis on it. It's just, it's just raw data. So I just think take. my answer is you're looking in the wrong place. You're not going to get, speci- <laughs> you're not going to get specific market information into today by looking at historic rates. It'd be like trying That's to a good say, point. Hey, I'm going to look at everything that happened in the stock market for the, for the price of Microsoft. What is it going to cost this afternoon? It's not going to tell you what the market sentiment is in the next few hours. It just tells you everything that's happened. 
It's the same thing with any rate data. And I get that it would be really nice if there was some way to be able to segment by commodity. But the reality is, is the places that get this information don't get that piece. And it's not accurately reported enough to be able to provide it back out. So that's why even the ones I've seen, again, they're better than nothing, but they don't give you the important part of the picture because the piece that's missing, right? It's risk and time. So risk drives up margin, right? Just like in any other business. So take like average margins on like a perishable berry, like blueberries or raspberries, right? There's very high claims, like brokers I know that run those consistently, like have like have a book of business of them. They got one to two claims a month, almost on average of 30 yeah. to 45 grand. And that's part of the business. So when brokers that move that, right? Like there's higher margins charged for that freight because that's all rolled into there. The risk of the claim, you're probably gonna have to pay some of it, the time to work through it. So it inflates what you're gonna charge your customers to ship a riskier shipment, right? Yeah. Now, if you move all the way to the other end of a hardier shipment like onions or potatoes, you're gonna see lower margins because you've got less volatility and claim risk. Now, again, you go all the way back to the other side and go like lettuce, right? Like that has a pretty high claim risk, but not as high as berries, right? So you're going to see a little bit less margin. It's related to the risk of moving that commodity for a carrier and you, the broker, because you've got to process that. That's going to change that off the norm. And the other thing that changes it off the norm is your daily volumes of loads of produce around that week or that day, you can get that data. To me, that's more valuable saying to what you said, what is the SDA, USDA showing me like average load volume was for tomatoes this week? What was it last year? Is it above what was expected? Is it lower than expected? Because that's going to tell you how many people are trying to buy trucks, right? The demand side of what you supply. And the more there's a demand, meaning, oh, there's a lot less or a lot more is going to tell me, hey, the market's going to be higher or lower based on how much the need is. There's more of a need for what I have. And what I have is the same, the number of trucks in the area, rates go up. And on top of that, if I've got less time to cover it, if I work with a produce broker, he needs that truck to pick up in three hours. My margin's going to be different than if I got to quote something to pick up in three days, right? Those are really what change the produce margins and rates, I think, much different than what you see in other commodities. But this is true in everything. And everything you ship, this those variables determine whether you're above, below the average and how far you off or away from it. Agreed. Agreed. Look at the load boards. Make some phone calls, post a couple loads. You'll get yeah. better real-time info than looking at historic data. So anyway. The last thing I'll add into, because he, he made the argument that, he's trying to make an argument that produce is going to be different than the rest of the reefer market. And I don't it's part disagree. of it. What's that? It's not that it's different. It's part of it. It's, it's just part of it. But everything not else, enough to move the average. Yes, is exactly. Or so mean. regardless, whatever a reefer costs today is what a reefer costs today. A yes. driver's not going to charge you less or more because it's produce versus ice cream. So anyway, good deal. Good episode. Uh, final thoughts. Whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. And until next time, go Bills. <laughs>